Welcome to the Harmony Pittsburgh Baptist Association Leadership Podcast, a podcast designed to encourage pastors, to equip leaders, and to engage the community with the saving power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Jeremy Randolph. Thanks for tuning back in to the podcast. Today we are continuing our series on spirit-led preaching. This is the seventh of eight episodes covering this topic, so we've got today's episode and just one more. Today we will hear from Pastor Zach Tunnel of Lake Fork Baptist Church. Now again, if you haven't listened to the previous episodes in this series, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to those. While this is designed for pastors and preaching, this is also going to be really helpful content if you're a small group Bible study leader, a Sunday school teacher, a life group leader, a lot about preparation. So let's hear now from Pastor Zach. I started serving as a pastor in a church in 2003. So in 19 years of pastoring, I had my first experience ever this past Sunday. And I shared with some of you. But about 15 minutes into the worship service, the power went out. Mm-hmm. I mean, just, you know, I didn't know. I had my eyes shut anyway, so I, I was kind of oblivious to it when I, I heard a difference in the music. So I thought, okay, we're going acoustic, and I peeked open, and the emergency line was on. I just thought it was stage line. I was like, all right, great. We're, we're really up in, the, up in the game here. I've been gone for a couple of weeks. I made some changes. <laughs> and um, and then, then it finally dawned on me, oh, no, the power is out. And so, you know, you, you know how it is. There's blips. And so you just kind of wait, and you think it's going to come back on. And, uh, and so the worship team did a great job. They, they kept on, you know, leading and, and trying to help us to, to be able to worship. It, it kind of descended into a little bit of chaos because it's a, a big room and it takes a lot of voice to fill it. Yeah. And it was dark. There wasn't any focus on there. And so we tried, David, Brother David tried to, to lead us through Amazing Grace and made a you know, quick little change so that we have something we knew that we could sing. Right. And uh, he started to sing, and then he had a great idea. I'll let Keith, the harmonica player, play it first. And so then you had the harmonica doing an introduction, and the people were still wanting to sing. So it kind of, you know, it kind of didn't work out real well at first. So, but we got through it, and I got up to, to preach, and I said, okay, open your Bibles with me too. And everyone started laughing. Like, for real, they started laughing out loud about this. And I made the statement, I ain't letting you go. We're here for a purpose. <laughs> I don't care if it's dark and I have to yell. I'll yell shorter, um, but, but we're here for a purpose. And I, I realized then that people are very quick, and I've been guilty of this myself as well, people are very quick to let go of something for which they have not prepared. They're very quick to say, okay, something's come in. Yeah. It's altered what we can do, what we're used to. We'll just cancel, yeah. and we'll do it again. And I, I, I do think that's one of the negative aspects that came out of the past couple of years is all of a sudden people say, well, okay, I'll, I'll, I won't go to church and gather my church family this Sunday. I'll just watch online. And, and they say, well, okay, I, I can do this because I still get a little bit of something out of it, and they don't have to give anything participate. And so there's really a, a correlation between what we view as being expendable and what we have or have not invested 
into something. And that's what uh, Heisler begins to, to cover here in chapter 9 when he speaks about the congregation's role in sermon, uh, in participating in the sermon. And I, I can't remember the, the book that I was reading, the preaching book I was reading, but I initially looked at this chapter and I thought, well, all it's going to be talking about is the kind of the interaction between the preacher and the congregation. And there's a book, it might have been Preaching and Preachers by Martin Lord Jones, might have been something else, but in this, this book, the, the author was writing about how important it is and helpful it is whenever there's amens that are brought back and, and, and uh, hallelujahs that are given. And there's, there's kind of this affirming that takes place and a nurturing that takes place for the preacher whenever the congregation is speaking back. And the author spoke about how fun and exciting it is like in African-American congregations uh, where they just really get riled up. And he started giving some examples of the amen and preach on. And then he put show enough. And I love that. Anytime I get the chance to amen somebody, I'll say show enough because it's just it's just a fun way to say it. But think about what you're saying when, when you say amen. You're, you're saying barely, truly. You're in agreement with what it is that's being said. And so when I first started reading this chapter, I thought that's what the focus was, but it's really not. It's more of the interaction between the congregation and the Holy Spirit and preparation for the worship service and the preaching moment, preaching event as a whole. And so Heisler gives us kind of this main question in the first part. He says, what about the Spirit's interaction with the congregation? What about the Spirit's interaction with the congregation. And he follows up with a couple more questions. says, what is the Spirit's ministry to those who are listening? And how does the Spirit prepare them to listen and to obey the Word? And what I would encourage us to consider today is the fact that listening and obeying are not two separate activities by any of us. To listen to God is to obey. That's the concept of Shema in the Old Testament all throughout uh, in Deuteronomy chapter 6, to hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. It's not just to hear these words spoken to us, but it's to let them be internalized and then applied and lived out in our lives. So to listen is to actually obey. It's the same action of faith. So as Christians, what we should desire to do is we get ready to together for worship and to receive the word. We should desire, first of all, to hear from God through his word. Because, as has been said, we accept his word as authoritative. But secondly, we should gather seeking to apply and to obey what we hear from God's word because we know that God not only desires obedience, but he also blesses obedience. So some of the notes that I thought uh, that Brother Clinton had already started jumping in on are the, the different ways that preachers view preaching. And this was kind of interesting to me. One, one of the ones that Heiser says is, there are some preachers that view preaching as a monologue, where their only goal is to finish by noon. I mean, how sad and pitiful and torturous existence would that be? That my only goal in preaching would be to finish at a decent hour. All the other stuff that we have to put up with, just so I can finish at noon. That's, that's pathetic, so don't, don't take that viewpoint. The, the second viewpoint that he talks about is dialogue, where there's there's an interaction between preacher and audience. And while certainly that helps us to have some feedback from the congregation as we are preaching, as messengers, we aren't dependent upon the feedback. We're 
as has been said, we are stewards of the gospel. We are holding something in trust, and the expectation is that we apply it and extend it as it is meant to be extended. So Heisler recommends this approach, calling it a trialogue, where there is a conversation between three voices, the preachers, the spirits, and the congregations. Heisler says in this approach that the topic of the conversation is simply the Word of God. He says the Spirit gives witness to the Word, the preacher gives proclamation to the Word, and the audience gives a hearing to the Word. So there's a role that we all have to play in this. But I want to focus in on, there on page 139 is where Heisler starts in and talking really about the Spirit and the congregation. He gives a couple quotes. One of them is on page 139. It says, If you give no prayerful thought to the hearts of those who hear, you will find those hearts coldly closed when you stand to preach. If you have no burden for them in the study, you will have no burden for them in the pulpit. Now, just whatever your context is, no matter how long you've been serving in the place where you're serving, whatever your role is, I want to ask you just a very simple question. Are you burdened for your people? Are you burdened? Do you have a love for your people? Listen, if there is no love in your heart for the people that God has called you to serve, you need to take a break. You really do. That can look like a sabbatical. That can look like a resignation. That can look like whatever it needs to look like. But if there is no love in your heart for your people that you serve, you need to spend some time alone with God and let God quicken your heart again. And I've, I've felt that in my own ministry before, and that's, I think, where ministry becomes drudgery. When we stand up and we say, well, I'm going to speak to these people, but... I don't want to be around them. That's, that's not a shepherd. That's someone getting a paycheck. So I really want to encourage you to ask the question honestly, am I burdened for these people? Because as pastors, what we believe is that God wants and desires to do something in and through the lives of our church family. So let's prepare, let's pray, and let's preach as if that is true. Because if we truly believe that God wants to do something through the church which we serve, then we are going to do what we must to help teach them how they need to prepare for worship, how they need to prepare for the reception of the word, and how they need to prepare for the application of the word. We ought to pray for our church family, even in times of frustration, times of disappointment, and times of open rebellion against God. Look, look with me in your Bibles in 1 Samuel chapter 12. Now this is where the, the setting is. The people have come to Samuel, uh, kind of the last of the, the judges, if you will, one of the major prophets, and um, the people have asked for a king to rule over them. And Samuel doesn't like this request. It's pretty personal because they bring up, hey, you've got two sons, but they're not like you. So we don't want to pass it on to them. We want something else. So it's, it's a personal rejection of Samuel and his offspring, but it's also, he realizes, a rejection of God from the people. And so Samuel deals with this, struggles with this. God gives his blessing, says, let them go ahead and ask for a king and anoint the king. We'll tell you what they're going to do, but, but go ahead and do it. So they do that. In 1 Samuel chapter 12, Samuel's kind of giving his farewell address. And I want to read this, starting verse 19. 
says, And all the people said to Samuel, Pray for your servants to the Lord your God, that we may not die. For we have added to all our sins this evil, to ask for ourselves a king. And Samuel said to the people, Do not be afraid. You have done all this evil. Don't you love that? The affirmation that he gives. Yeah, you're right. Y'all messed up. It's the same thing Joseph does to his brothers when, when they're asking forgiveness. Yeah, you're right. That you affirm the error. But then Samuel goes on. Says, Yet do not turn aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. And do not turn aside after empty things that cannot profit or deliver, for they are empty. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it has pleased the Lord to make, make you a people for himself. Moreover, as for me, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by ceasing to pray for you. And I will instruct you in the good and the right way. Now, don't miss what Samuel says. He didn't say that it would be a sin against the people to stop praying for them. He says it would be a sin against the Lord for Samuel to stop praying for the people. And we must have a ministry of prayer for the church, which God has called us to serve. Because it's in that ministry of prayer that God is going to burden our heart for the people. And make it to where we're willing to walk with them through the ups and downs and the mess of ministry. Because we are able to be reflections of God's love for the people. Heisler says on page 139 that we plan, we pray, we choose our illustrations, and we make our specific applications under the Spirit's direction and with the congregation's response. I'm going to talk some about application already, but I do want to make, make this word about it, make a statement about it. Attempting to make application of a particular text uh, without first having labored in prayer before God on behalf of your church family is the same thing as playing Battleship every single Sunday morning, where all you're doing is calling out grid markings, hoping to score a hit. And then when someone says, hmm, or amen, or show enough, then, then you, hope, you hone in just a little bit more on that part because you know there's a ship around and you have the power to sink it. All right, that's, that's, not, that's not how we go about applications. We've got to labor in prayer to find out how this text needs to be applied, not just in our life, but in the overall life of the church. So how do we do that? How, how do we really begin to do these things as a way of helping the congregation learn what their role is and their participation with the Spirit is in preparing for worship. Well, Heiser talks about that, and I really lumped it into pages 140 through 151, and asks the question, basically, how can we help teach the church how to prepare for a sermon? Heiser says on page 147, one of the responsibilities Spirit-led preachers must accept is training and teaching the church about preparing to receive God's Word. You have on there a list of the steps that, that Heisler says on pages 144 through 147, like a prepared soul, a rested body, an alert mind. I don't know about y'all, but one, one of the things that I strive to do is if it's 7 p.m. on a Saturday night and I'm not already home, then I'm going to get home as quickly as I can. I do not go out on Saturday nights. It doesn't matter if it's a Sunday school party, birthday party, Mother's Day, I don't care. I don't do it. My wife will say it's because Saturday's the only night I can go to bed early and she doesn't gripe at me, which may be a little true. But I, I just, I want to be rested and I want to be prepared for Sunday morning. Um, challenge your church family in the same way. But hey, I'm resting. I'm going to bed early because I want to be prepared for Sunday. You need to be prepared as well. Don't be afraid to challenge them. 
in that. They won't like it, but that doesn't mean it's not right to say. But one of the things that, that stood out to me is, um, he says, a teachable spirit. On page 146, he says, if humility gives birth to a teachable spirit, then pride gives birth to a critical spirit. I don't know about you, but I, I make it a habit of going to Sunday school every week. And if I'm in the middle of the conversation in the hallway and it's getting time to go, then I'll always end the conversation very quickly with, hey, I'm going to go to Sunday school and see what I can learn. And I mean that because I always have something that I can learn. And, and I, want, I want others to feel the same way. But I, I really want to encourage you, let, let each of these nine that he talks about be practiced in your own life first. And, and here's a great way to model it. And people won't, won't see it because they don't see what you do in the privacy of your own home or in your study or anywhere else. But if you'll practice these, these nine things long enough, then they will be evident in your life. And so I want to encourage you, let each one of these, a prepared soul, rested body, alert mind, teachable spirit, all the rest, let these be practiced in your own life first, especially when you have guest preachers who preach and you're there, or when you worship somewhere else while on vacation. And I really want to speak to you in this. One, take time away. Invite other preachers to come in and preach while you're present and pray for them. Still go to bed early, still get up early, still have your private and devotional life early. Do all these things because you'll be doing what you're asking the congregation to do yourself. And they'll respect that. But secondly, go on vacation. And when you go on vacation, find a local church to worship in. I, I just That's important for myself and for my family. It's easy to say, hey, I'm on vacation. I'll just tune in on live stream. I don't need live stream. I need to be with people of God, singing the praises of God, receiving the word of God for the glory of God. And you do too. And if you'll do that, then your church family will begin to say, hey, we have a role to play in preparing for Sunday morning worship. And it's more than just being nice to each other while we get to church. So I encourage you in that. And thank you, men, for what y'all have been sharing today. That's going to bring this episode of the podcast to a close. We want to thank you for listening. If you have questions or want to know more about the broader work of our churches that make up the Harmony Pittsburgh Baptist Association, you can visit our website at www.harmonypittsburgh.com or you can contact us here by emailing Jeremy, that's J-E-R-E-M-Y, at harmonypittsburgh.com. Once again, we thank you for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Harmony Pittsburgh Baptist Association Leadership Podcast.